may be seated. Good morning. Happy Easter, everybody. Man, it's been a good one so far. It's been good to worship with you. In case you don't know, my name is Kyle, and it's just a joy to worship with you and to be with you today. We think it's a big deal that you're here, and we're so glad uh, that you're here on this Easter Sunday. So I saw this uh, meme on social media. I'm going to get things started with that. I think we got a picture coming on the screen for you. In case you don't know, today is April the 1st, which means it's, what, April Fools. And so anyway, uh, that's coming up there. I don't know if you can see that or not. But up there it says, Satan thinks finally Jesus is dead. And then Jesus busts out and he says, April Fools. I think that's pretty funny stuff right there. Uh, not every year does uh, Easter land on uh, April the 1st, but this year it does. In fact, uh, we have four kids, and we got to go uh, with family a couple days ago, do a big Easter egg hunt. And every year we normally put some empty eggs out there, and we call them hallelujah eggs. And so when they get those eggs that are empty, when they open them, uh, they're supposed to say hallelujah. And you know, like the tomb is empty. Well, my kids kind of knew about the April Fool, Fool's thing this year. And if you know my kids, they have a little bit of personality to them. Uh, a little bit of attitude. Anyway, they were opening eggs this year, and they were saying, April Fool's Satan. And they were saying it was some serious in-your-face-ism. You know what I'm saying? And so we were just celebrating the resurrection together, and it's a joy to do that this morning. Uh, I pray that you have already begun to celebrate and to uh, just embrace what the resurrection is all about. Today we're kicking off a brand new series uh, called From This Day Forward. And as we've been going through this holy week leading up to this day, and we think about Jesus, we think about the betrayal, we think about the false accusations, we think about the bogus trials, we think about the scourgings and the beatings and the mockings that he went through, we think about the crown of thorns being just, just bashed into his skull, we think about the cross. We think about him being nailed there in his hands and in his feet, the suffering, the anguish, the blood that was shed, and ultimately the death that he experienced on the cross. It um, causes us to reflect and take pause. But in Luke chapter 24, which is where we're going to be this morning, there's a word that begins Luke chapter 24. It's a three-letter word, and that three-letter word is but... And everything changed because of this day that we celebrate today known as Easter. Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse number 1. It says, but, this is after the death of Jesus, but very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. And you can imagine as they made this journey, I don't know how far of a walk it was for them, but it's a pretty good walk. You can imagine heads down, slow pace, just doing what their duty was, downtrodden faces. Verse 2, they got there and it says, they found the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground, the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee? That the Son of Man, that's Jesus, must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And that he would rise again on the third 
day. Verse 8. Then they remembered that he had said this. So, instead of walking sadly back to where they came from, they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. Do you see how this moment, this day, changed everything? For this group that was there amongst Jesus in his life in those days, he was their hope He was their rescuer, and they watched him die, and they thought it was all over. But then that day came. Easter came, and it changed everything. It still changes lives today. I would say that many of us are here today because Jesus and his resurrection has changed our lives. Will you you agree with that this morning for you? I would also venture to say that some of you are here today wondering if he can still change lives. And we just want to tell you emphatically, yes, he can. Don't waste the cross that we're reading about. Don't waste the empty tomb. Don't waste the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus. Notice this on the screen. Easter, specifically the resurrection of Jesus, provides hope to all who will believe it and experience it. This is the hope that we long for and that we desperately need. As we think about the hope of the resurrection, we want to take this week and the next two weeks, a total of three weeks, and we want to speak hope into a specific area of lives over the next three weeks. And we want to speak hope into marriage. And I know some of you may be thinking, wait a minute, I thought it was Easter. What are you talking about marriage? We believe that the hope of the resurrection is for every aspect of our lives. And we believe that marriages need hope poured into them. I want to show you a picture on the screen. We're going to have a little bit of fun with this from, from, from this day forward um, series. This next picture is of me and my, and my bride, Terry. She's sitting right there on the front row. Um, this is our wedding day. In case you can't tell, I'm a little bit happy on that day. I don't know if you know that or not. Uh, Bon Jovi and JT got nothing on my moves. You know what I'm saying? I'm excited that day. We have already said I do. We are headed to get in a really cool car and drive off and go be married. You know what I'm saying? And so we've got a hashtag down there. If you do the hashtag thing and you want to share some wedding pics with us over the next couple weeks, fun, hilarious, happy, whatever it may be, do that. If you're like, I don't even know what a hashtag is, uh, I think that's a number sign, and you want to bring a wedding pic by that you want to share with us, we'd love to have it. Um, but that's just us having a lot of fun on our wedding day. So ladies in the room right now, can you participate this morning just a little bit? Ladies, can you participate? Okay, I had confidence that you would. I don't know if the men will or not, but I got confidence that the ladies will, all right? Ladies in the room, can you remember when you were a little girl? Did you by chance, when you were a little girl, dream of having the perfect wedding day? Did you dream about that just a little bit? Did you dream just a little bit about that perfect husband carrying you over the threshold of your perfect brand new house, Joe Ann Gaines farmhouse style, of course, And him rubbing your feet every single night, or in the case of my wife, playing with her hair, that's her deal, and you just enjoying life and everything being bliss. Can you remember that? Remember dreaming that just a little bit? All right. Men in the room, I don't know if you'll participate or not. Uh, Yours probably didn't look exactly like that, right? The perfect girl was involved. 
okay, and you thought about getting married, and you thought about making some loving about, you know, once a day and twice on Sunday. Amen. Glory to God. Yes. How many of you are still dreaming? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Maybe, maybe some of you are kind of thinking differently right now. Maybe you're wondering if this idea of marriage is even a good idea, and you're married right now, right? And the idea of a good marriage, you just wonder if it's even possible. The idea of a great marriage, that's kind of off the table for you. I want to show you this next piece, uh, next slide that just I think really is going to um, hopefully challenge you a little bit, and that is this. A great marriage is possible, but honestly, it's not likely and not probable if you do what everyone else is doing. I'm going to read that again. A great marriage is possible, but it's not likely and it's not probable if you're doing what everybody else is doing. Let me tell you what is happening with everybody else. Everybody else out there, they got a 50-50 shot of making it. I don't know if you know this or not, but for years now, about barely 50% of marriages make it. 50% of marriages are ending in divorce. 50-50 shot. What if I told you your odds were 50-50? 50% chance that your car, make and model, has a mechanical glitch and it will blow up on you. How many of you are getting a different car? I'm getting a different car. All right. How many if I told you, you got a 50% chance this week that all of your investments and your money in a bank it's going to just go away. It's going to be gone. It's going to disappear. How many of you would find something else to do with your money this week? Absolutely. How many of you, if I told you there was a 50% chance that when you walk out these front doors, there's going to be a herd of man-eating cats with bad breath that will attack you? How many of you are going out the back door? Yes, man-eating cats with bad breath. That's very scary, isn't it? You're going out a different door. And yet we choose in marriage many times just to do what everybody else does, thinking it's going to work out better for us when the reality is, at best, we've got a 50-50 shot of making it. A great marriage is possible. But honestly, it's not likely, not probable if you do what everyone else is doing. We've got to do something different. We need some hope. We need some direction into our lives. If you're married, do you remember your vows? I said something like this on our wedding day. I said, I, Kyle, take you, Terry, to be my wife, to have and to hold, help me finish it, from what? This day forward. That's a great line, isn't it? It's a line drawn in the sand saying, you know what? From this day, things are going to be different. I don't know how things were yesterday, but from this day, this is what I'm going to do. I might have blown it before, and I might have done everything the way I ought to, but from this moment, this is where I'm going with this. It's a line of hope, and those vows are a very big deal when we cross that line and we say, I do. We say things like, from richer, for poor, for better, for worse. Oh, wow, how we need God's help to carry that out. So for the next three weeks, today included, we are going to do our best to speak some truths and some principles into your life and into your marriage that just can infuse the hope of the resurrection of Jesus 
where we desperately need it, and one of those areas is in our marriage. So three weeks. Week one is going to be today, and that is seek God, okay? Week one is seek God. Week two, we're going to learn how to fight fair. And then week three, we are going to say, you know what? I'm never, ever going to give up. Never give up. So if you'll help me with this, this will be fun. If you don't help me with this, it's going to make me look really, really pitiful up here. So I'm going to say them. You repeat them back to me, all right? Week one, seek God. Week two, fight fair. You're with me already. You don't have to repeat them. You're with me. You can read them with me. Week number three, never give up. Man, you guys are on it today. I love it. I love it. Seek God, fight fair, never give up. Today, let's seek God. The problem is, a lot of people aren't seeking God before they get married. And since they're not seeking God before they get married, they're not seeking God necessarily after they get married. You know, a lot of people who aren't married are seeking. There's some of you in this room right now. You're, you're, you're not married. You know what you're seeking? You're seeking the one. You're seeking the one. You know what I'm talking about. Like, she's like, oh, you know, he's so sweet. Or he's like, man, she's so sweet and she smells so good. Man, she completes me, right? She's the one. Or maybe she's like, he's sweet, he smells good, and he talks so much. We just have such great conversation. This is going to be the best thing ever. Here's my question for you, ladies. Which one's going to go first, the good smell or the good conversation? Okay, they answered it out loud. All right, I wasn't really expecting that. This whole idea of finding the one, that's what the rest of the world is doing. Let's see what the resurrected Savior, remember the one who died for us? Do you remember the one who took the nails in his hands and nails in his feet and suffered and blood? Let's see what he has to say about all this. Look at Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. In light of his death, in light of his crucifixion, in light of his resurrection, I pray that his words carry more weight than ever as we think about who is speaking. Matthew chapter 22 Verse number 37. Matthew 22, verse 37. He's being challenged. Jesus is being challenged about, hey, what's the greatest commandment? And here's the response of Jesus in verse 37. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. And so here's what he's telling us. We've got to give God everything. We've got to make him number one in our lives. He goes on in verse number 38 and says, this is the first and greatest commandment. So who's supposed to be first? Who is supposed to be number one in our lives? According to the one who died for our sins, God is supposed to be number one. Verse number 39. A second is equally important. A second, not first, but the second, equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Get this. God is your one. Your spouse is your two. If you're taking notes, you should be able to fill that in. God is your one. Your spouse is your two. God is your one. Your spouse is your two. God's the only one that can handle being your one. You know what happens when you make your spouse your one? 
You're setting them up to be your savior, your rescuer, and your God. You are expecting something of them that they cannot fulfill for you. And when they blow it, and they will, all of your expectations go out the window. And by the way, not only will they blow it the first time, they're going to continue to blow it because they're human beings. They're human beings. And anything you idolize, you will demonize. God is your one. Your spouse is your two. So here's what we need to do. Uh, by the way, if you're not married, you're not off the hook this morning. Maybe you're thinking, oh, man, I don't even have to listen this morning. I'm out. I don't even have to. Listen to me. Listen to me. Singles, if you are not married yet, here's what you need to be doing in your life. You need to say, I will seek the one while preparing for my two. I will seek the one while preparing for my two. If one day you're like, you know what, I want to be married. I want to have a great marriage. I don't want to go 50-50. I want to, I want to go better than that. I want to do things different. Then right now you need to be seeking Jesus. You need to be seeking his face, allowing him to prepare you for who God gives you in the future. Maybe you're like, you know what, I'm kind of done with marriage. or I don't really want to get married. Well, then just put a period after one. Just seek the one. Just seek him with all of your heart and all of your being. For all of you who are married, here's what we need to say this morning, and that is this. I will always seek the one with my two. I will always seek the one with my two. Maybe some of you this morning are doing great in marriage, and I need to sit down, and you need to come up here and talk because you've got this whole thing called marriage figured out way better than I do, and the odds are some of you do. I'm not saying that like with sarcasm. I mean that like... You, you're doing really well in marriage, and praise God for that. For some of you, you're like, yeah, we're doing okay. We're kind of, you know, kind of in that moment right here. Everything's pretty good. It's okay. Nothing's just great right now, but everything's okay. Maybe for some of you, you're like, man, we're just hanging on by a thread. Maybe, just maybe, some of you got your Easter clothes on today, and you came to church today because you thought, you know what? I'm going to give it one more shot. I'm going to show up on Easter I don't know. I think this deal's over, but maybe, just maybe, we can find some hope. And maybe that's where you are today. Well, I just want you to know, I'm as desperate as anyone for the hope of the resurrection in my life. I am desperate for the hope, the help, the power, the grace, the forgiveness, and the love that flows out of the resurrection of Jesus in my life. I am desperate to have that hope and that power and that presence and that help in my life to be able to pour that into my marriage. We need the hope of the resurrection in our lives. We're all desperate for hope. And maybe right now in your marriage, you're pretty desperate for hope. And here's what I found. Most people go looking for it. They go looking for hope. Some of you are looking in other places other than the resurrected Savior. And let me just tell you something. You're not going to find hope there. You're not going to find hope there. Some of you are looking onto the computer screen for hope. You won't find it there. Some of you are looking to the likes on social media to find your hope. You won't find it there. Some of you are looking to pile up enough dollars to have some hope. You won't find it there. Some of you are looking to your spouse for your hope. You, you won't find it there. Some of you are to the point that you're looking at getting out like divorce court in your mind right now is your hope. You won't find it there. 
Some of you are looking to validation. You know, like you've got some of those sorry friends that come around telling you that they don't deserve you and you don't deserve them and you deserve better and trash like that. Listen, if your friend's been divorced like three times, they probably don't have good information for you. All right? But, man, they're telling you what you want to hear, and it's giving you a glimmer of hope. The only place you're going to find hope is in the resurrected Savior of the world, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He's our way to God. So if we're going to do this thing differently than everybody else, we've got to seek God. We've got to seek God. Well, how? How should we, how should we seek God? How should we do that? There's a bunch of ways that I could spend a lot of time today sharing with you and encouraging you towards. I think coming to church regularly together is one great way to seek God. And we'd love to see you back next week and the next and the next. In fact, I just want to encourage you specifically, yeah, come for the next three weeks and get seek God, fight fair, and never give up. Like, take that attempt. Uh, Man, we could talk about reading the Word of God on a regular basis. Great way to seek God. Another way that you could seek God that I would encourage you towards is get involved in an HC group and get around some other believers together. But there's one thing, one thing I want to encourage you most towards today in seeking God. And that is to pray together. Pray together. Now, some of you are like, I like this idea. You're encouraging my husband to pray with me right now. You're getting excited. You're like, man, this could happen. I mean, like, really, there's some women in the room right now. You hear that, you're like, man, I really want my husband to pray with me. Some of you are like, there ain't no way he's going to pray with me. That is never going to happen. And some of you husbands are like, that's right. I get uncomfortable when I pray. I'm not doing it. And besides that, it's like between me and God, right? You might have just said something there. It's between me and God that you might want to process just a little bit. Yes, you need to connect with God, and the way you do that is through prayer, and you need to do that with your spouse. So, like, really, that's the one thing you want us to do. You want us to begin to pray together. Yes, and let me tell you why, okay? We talked about the way everybody else is doing it, and it's not working. Um, A few years ago, Family Life did a research on praying couples, Christians, okay? And they found that less than 8%, get this number, it's coming on the screen, less than 8% percent of Christian couples pray together regularly. Of that eight percent that pray together regularly, what they have found over time is, listen to this, fewer than one percent of those people end up in divorce. Did you catch that? Fewer than 1% of Christian couples who seek God together regularly through prayer end up in divorce. So here's the question. Do you want to go 50-50 or do you want to go 99%? Which way do you want to go? Let that sink in for just a moment, processing where you are in your life and in your marriage. Men, let that sink in for just a moment. 50-50 odds or 99% chance of making it and making it well. Well, how how do I do that? How How do I pray with my spouse? 
And I'm just going to let you know that I understand, men, this is intimidating. And some of you are like, when is this going to get over and can I get out of here? Let's go face the man-eating cats with bad breath rather than talk about me praying with my wife, right? I can take on a cat. I know what I'm doing there. But this praying thing, I don't know, man. Like, uh, you, 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 get back over here talking about Jesus. I am talking about Jesus. I'm talking about you experiencing the resurrected hope of the Savior in your life. Well, well how, how do I do that? Let me just give you a for instance. How about you just start with, God, bless my spouse, bless my marriage, in Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to say it again. God, bless my spouse, bless my marriage, in Jesus' name, amen. What a simple, simple way to start. Maybe you're like, you know what? I don't even like my spouse right now. How much more do you need to seek God together this morning? Do you need to turn to Jesus together? It's going to be uncomfortable, but I want to encourage you to be uncomfortable and to simply say, you know what, from this day forward, from this day forward, me and my spouse, we're going to seek God. I want to encourage you right now to bow your head and to close your eyes. And to consider what we've been talking about. Married couples in the room. Listen closely. Husbands, would you be willing this morning to reach over and take your wife by the hand? Take her by the hand. And just say, you know what? We're, we're going to seek God together. Would you be willing to do that this morning? Would you take her by the hand? Let her know with your physical presence that, you know what, this is uncomfortable, this is scary. I know I normally don't do this, and this is way outside of my boundaries, but, like, I'm not going for 50-50. I, I, I got to know it's, it's bigger than that, and I got to know it's better than that. I'm going to grab your hand right now. If that's you this morning, and you just took your wife by the hand, and you're sitting there with your head bowed and your eyes closed, couples, would you just take your other hand and lift it to the air just to say, you know what, right now, God, before you and before this church, we're just committing to pray and to seek you together. Would you raise your hand right now? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. As the music plays, I want to encourage you to do one of two things. If you want, continue to hold that spouse by the hand and just come on down here before the resurrected Savior in this place today. And begin to ask him to help you as you seek him. Maybe for some of you, you need to just take the option just to sit right where you are and maybe pray the first prayer outside of the table that you've ever prayed with your spouse. And maybe it needs to be as simple as, God, bless my spouse, bless my marriage, in Jesus' name, amen. So if you want to come pray this morning, we encourage you to do that. If you want to sit right where you are and pray with your spouse this morning, we encourage you to do that. Maybe some of you in this room, married or not, you're hearing about Jesus. You're hearing about his death for you, and you're beginning to understand that, man, it's your sin that nailed him to the cross. It's your shortcomings that put him there.
and you want him to be your one. He never has been the Lord of your life. He never has been your Savior, and you want him to be your one. How do I do that? The same way that you seek God through prayer. Prayer. And I want to encourage you to pray right now if that's you. Again, buried or not, I want to present Jesus to you this morning. I want to present to you the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. I want to encourage you to pray this morning something that looks like this. God, I'm a sinner. I'm far away from you. And I want you to forgive me because of the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. I want you to be my Savior. I want you to be my one. I want to be yours. If that's you this morning and you're making Jesus your one by faith, man, we'd love to meet you. We'd love to connect with you. There's going to be pastors up front this morning that if you need to come now or come later, uh, we'd love to connect with you and to talk with you and to pray with you and to help you in your journey of faith and to celebrate with you in your journey of faith. From this day forward, church, married or not, we're just saying, you know what, God, we're going to seek you. We're going to seek you. I'm going to pray. Father, we bow before you right now. We thank you for the incredible story of Jesus that we just got a glimpse of this morning. And I'm praying that as we get a glimpse of Jesus and his incredible work on the cross, his death, his shed blood, his death. We see him as the resurrected Savior this morning. That you and your hope would just pour into our lives through salvation. That you would pour into our marriage with just the resurrection hope that you bring. I pray that I pray there'll be some couples that will look back on this Easter 2018 as the turning point in their lives, that from this day forward, by seeking you and the power of your resurrection in their marriage, things will be different. I pray there will be some that will look back on this Easter of 2018 and it will be their day of faith. It will be their day of making you their one. Maybe everybody else thought they'd already believed in you and they hadn't. But today's the day and everything's going to change. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.